Hello, I am Daniel Ailman, and you are listening to the Superlit Podcast. Um, oh my god, did I just forget our intro? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, the Super Lit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQA community. We have a special guest. Hello, Daniel. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. I'm so glad Paul Kacha, our Canadian guardian angel, uh, set this up. I'm very happy about that. He's always looking out for us. <laughs> Paul is just the absolute best. He is one of those authors who's just so incredibly kind and so wonderful and generous with his time and mm-hmm. his advice. And, and I'm so grateful to him for connecting me with you. Yeah. Enough about Paul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> his ears are probably ringing at this point. Tell us a little bit about your book and why you're here today. Of course. Well, In the Visible is a young adult novel. It is about a Mexican-American teenager in New York City who, you know, he's a big Broadway fan. He has a, you could say, considerably normal life uh, with his parents and his little sister. And he dreams of becoming an actor one day. And he loves spending time with his two best friends. And then his life is completely interrupted when his parents, who are undocumented immigrants, are taken away by immigration officials. And that is when Mateo is left to take care of his little sister. And he needs to keep life as normal as possible for himself and for her. And also try and find a way to reunite his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I like, obviously I knew the premise of the book, but I didn't realize I'd be sobbing like 50 pages in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like went into this knowing I was like, this is, this is going to be like difficult to read. Cause it's obviously the, the topic itself is very sad. Um, and I can't imagine like being away from my family like that. But yeah, I, I, I literally was like, okay. Yeah. And then I, I think I put the book down at page 50 and was like, okay, I just need a minute. <laughs> You know what? I, I hear people say, I, I've heard two, two sides to the story. I've heard mm-hmm. people say I could not put it down. Like I just yeah. could not stop reading. And I have heard some people say that they at times felt like they needed to just put it down and reflect a little bit about what was happening. And you know what? I think I, those are the stories I love most, like the ones that kind of have a strong impact on you as a reader and that really kind of force you to to think and to reflect and to perhaps see life and see other people a little differently um Mm. you know I think that there's so much power in books that change your perspective yeah when I was reading it um like I I paused at the 50 page point and then like I admittedly started reading, if today is Sunday, I started reading like really late. Usually I start reading, um, I want to say like seven days before I record. So I have enough time. Yeah. I just, I'm in the process of like getting my things together to move. Obviously I haven't done anything. I've just been looking at my things going, oh, I have to move all of you soon. Um, (laughs) And it's just been stressful. Um, But uh, I just like, I gave myself not a huge window and I was like, okay, I'll just have to like sit and read this in like one sitting. And um, once I got past like the event of the parents obviously being taken by ICE, um, I was like, okay, I like, I need to like process this all at once. So I started reading it and it's, it's not like the whole book. I'm like, oh, I can't read this. And it's so depressing. And like, it's not that. Um, It does definitely make you think. And it definitely, I think for, like 
an American audience that isn't dealing with this, I think it, it like sheds light on something that we don't really talk about, especially in like YA novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read anything like this in the YA world of the books that like I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely, especially because of how the last like four years were over here in America. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been a lot. Um, and it's, it's mentioned in a way that like, it's not so, like you can't put like, you feel like there is no like light in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still like so much like youth and light in the book, which I really appreciate. Um, and uh, Mateo is like the s- strongest person I've ever read. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, cause like, I-, I can't imagine having to take care of like your sister and be like full blown adult like years before you really like have to do any of those things. Um, I just can't imagine like the difficulty that someone in that situation is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when there are people in your life like Amy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that is, you know, you just mentioned two things that, that I really love. And those were two things that I wanted to be very intentional mm-hmm. about. The first was weaving in moments of hope and light throughout the story. I did want this you know, this book to leave readers feeling just, yeah, hopeful and like a little light shining inside of you when you turn the last page. That is something that I definitely wanted. Mm -hmm. And second, I definitely wanted to show Mateo grappling with the difficulties of growing up too quickly and of, you know, from one day to the next, having to become an adult. And and showing the ways in which his life, like his teenage experiences are being interrupted. And now he has to not completely let go of being a teenager, but he must balance both. He must balance his teen dreams and his teen, you know, experiences and, and his dreams of, of becoming an actor and going to college and spending time with his friends and maybe even finding love and also having to, you know, put food on the table and make sure that the fridge is stocked and making sure to do the laundry and keeping his sister safe. So yeah, those are two, two things that I, I'm happy people pick up on them. (laughs) Like, because I do, I do really like hearing that people thought that despite the pain and despite the sadness, it ended up feeling hopeful. Mm-hmm. And also that, you know, the the struggle that Matteo goes through resonates with, with many readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Matteo and Sophie are such interesting characters, especially like um, the idea of like, let's say like Kimmy, who's like all teenagers, I guess, hit the point where they're like, I'm no longer... Kimmy I'm Kimberly like it's just like I'm a different person now um I think we've like as human beings we all do that it was just interesting to see like the side characters like also going through something that was like maybe not as like monumental as what's going on with Mateo and Sophie but um it was the side characters are really nice and I do like that especially like the the side characters that do exist like Kimmy and Adam is it it's Adam right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kimmy and Adam, they're they're not just like there for like a minute and then just like gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually like reading through the book. Um, I I was curious, like, oh, I wonder if like Mateo will like find like or g- get into a relationship during the, like the course of this time. Mm-hmm. I feel like when things are chaotic, that's of course when something like that would happen. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was really interesting. I feel like the book really like kept me on my toes the whole time. I was like, what's going to happen next? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so, um, you live in Toronto, is it Toronto? Yes. Yes, I do. Have you been to New York before? Cause you wrote like you (laughs) lived in New York and I was like, oh, this, I, when I got to the, like the, the end of the book, I looked at your, like, uh, your, I said, I call it the author sleeve. I know that's not what it's called. What what is it like the very back like yeah the, the very back with your oh the bio yeah yeah there we go. I called it the author sleeve and I was like that's just what it is now <laughs> um, um I guess the the official name of it is like the back flap of the book yeah. is what a publisher would call it but I like author sleeve <laughs> that sounds nice enough <laughs> um I did spend plenty of time in the New York City area so my family I mean I grew up in Mexico City and then my parents moved to New Jersey and so I I didn't 
have any friends in New Jersey. I had nothing, like no community, nothing to do. And as a teenager, like the, the way that I loved spending my time and what I loved doing was taking the train into the city and exploring Mm -hmm. and making friends and sometimes getting into trouble. (laughs) And so I, like, I don't know, like those years are, I remember them very vividly. I think my ha- my family was just very happy during the time that we spent in New York. And so mm-hmm. when I was starting to think about the plot of this book and the setting, it just felt like a New York story to yeah. me, like immediately. Yeah, as a person who, I live in New Jersey currently. Um, so that was like definitely um, a thing for me going to the New, New Brunswick stop and just like riding into New York. Um, it, I definitely have the same kind of memories of like going to New York, having fun, but also like probably getting into trouble, causing a stir. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I felt like you would like, were like in New York while you were writing this because I was reading it and I was like, okay, it's not written like someone who's never been to the place writing mm-hmm. it where they're like, oh, I looked up every single thing. Yeah. It's written like a person who's like, yeah, this is New York. Like, like. <laughs> That's and that's something that you know I I mean I've been to New York as a tourist like the first time I went to New York City I I was obviously there just to visit for a few days and I Mm. think that it's so true with every city but I think New York particularly when you go for the first time you see it with like such bright eyes and you it it feels so glamorous and it feels like Mm. such a I don't know, such an incredible city. And you think to yourself like, oh my gosh, I wonder what it would be like to live here. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually get to experience a bit more of the day-to-day in New yeah. York, and when you get to see actual apartments where people live, and I have friends who live in, in yeah. a city, like once you get to see that other side of New York, I think it's still a fantastic city. It's my favorite city in the world, but I think it's just so different from from the, you know, bright lights of Times Square. Yeah. And which I do mention in the book, but in a more like, I hate being in Times Square type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. And so I did, I mean, Mateo is a born and raised New Yorker. So I did want him to be like, oh yeah, like this is life. Like there's nothing all that special about, about my surroundings because I've lived here my whole life. Mm-hmm. And the idea of never like not living there is like a, but you're, you live in New York. Like you can't, you can't go anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That too. That too. Yeah. That's, I have attempted to like date guys who live in New York and I'm really like not that far. And sometimes they just behave like, no, I don't wait. I have to leave New York. I don't mm." It's like, okay, (laughs) this won't work. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's alarming when people are like, my favorite place in New York is Times Square. I'm like, why? Yeah, it's like- <laughs> Explain to me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I I kind of also love um, like the like theatrical backdrop of um, like wanting to do Broadway in the story too. Um, I, I, it was just like such a fun like thing to read too, um, even though there are some people who are also trying out at the same time as Mateo and Adam that are obviously really crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like, I, I kind of, when I got to the part where it's like, oh, did Adam get the call back? Did he not? Um, just like the idea of like what the story is like, I was like, oh, I like, I kind of want to go to this thing. I want to <laughs> go to the show. Oh. First of all, I would say that it was really important to me that Mateo had a big dream. Like I wanted him to have a big goal And so acting felt like something that, you know, I was talking about this at an event earlier this week. I think theater is something that brings community. Like it's something that you can share with people. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted Matteo to have this passion that he could share with his friends and they could go to Broadway shows together and they could go to auditions and and prepare for, you know, imaginary roles that they probably were never going to get anyway, Mm. but as long as they were together and and running lines together. And I also wanted to show kind of like how different it may be for someone like Matteo who hasn't had access to the same types of workshops or the same types of education that his friend Adam has 
um, and how that, you know, regardless of them having the same passion or the same perhaps talent, one of them has been able to develop that talent and the other one hasn't. And Mm -hmm. so naturally, Adam is going to be better once he goes into an audition. And I also did want to show like the, the actual play. <laughs> um, and that ultimately also became an, a nice opportunity to develop the romantic storyline because there is something that I won't spoil it, but there is something very nice and fun that happens mm-hmm. uh, once we do get to see that show in the second half of the book. Yeah, that's a, I... <laughs> as we were like going, as I was going through the book, um, kind of like working towards like the show itself and obviously like what's going on. Um, I'm so glad it like school has ended at one point. Mm-hmm. And the, I was like, I can't imagine doing anything um, rela- like outside of school when like anything is going on. So just like the idea of like, okay, at least McDaniel has the break of like, well, I don't have to go to class right now and also deal with like, trying to make sure that my parents can stay in the states or like yeah. or if they're going to get deported um i i cannot fathom the amount of stress um that like all of that together especially on top of school and like studying for the sats mm-hmm. i took the sats once and that was it <laughs> i was not doing it again i also went to art school so at that school wasn't as like important as long as my grades were okay but like i can't imagine but people who go like 15 times to take the SATs. Oh my gosh. I can't. How is the, is the grade really going to change that much? I don't even know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, the, the friendship between like the three kids, is also really great. And I also really like that Sophie Mateo's sister is like, not, she's not just like there. She has her own personality and she's like a firecracker. And she's like, I want this thing you need to explain to me how it's going to happen. And she just, she doesn't take no for an answer. I love her. Yeah. And you know what? I think, you know, she's a young kid. She's seven at the start of the book. And I also, I felt like it could be easy for her to, like you said, just blend into the background. Mm. And I wanted her to kind of have a more active role in the things that she wants and in the things that, that she expects out of her family and that she expects out of her older brother, who's now her caretaker. So I had, I think a lot of fun writing Sophie and exploring like, you know, this young yet very complex little girl. Yeah. I've never met a Sophie that I didn't like. And (laughs) I really like this one. Obviously um, my Sophie isn't here right now, but um... I remember when I sent her this book, I was like, oh yeah, the two characters, Mateo and Sophie. Uh, My Sophie was like, tell the author he needs to change the sister's name or I will not come on. Uh, (laughs) um, She's like, I can be the only one and that's it. But um, I I think that was like the thing that was really interesting. She felt like, as I said, a fully fleshed out character, um, which I feel like sometimes with like siblings or parents, they can't in YA novels or just books in general, if they're not like the main focus of the book, which Mm -hmm. they usually aren't, um, I feel like sometimes they just become like wallpaper characters. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like any of the surrounding characters that were around like Mateo and Sophie were like wallpaper. They weren't just like there, uh, which I really appreciated. And I think that really added to like how interesting the story was too. Mm -hmm. Um, How long did, so you grew up in Mexico City? Yeah. So I've never been there. What is, how is that different to like New York versus Mexico City? Because they're both mentioned in the book. Of course. Well, I'd say, I'd say they're both, you know, huge cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I went to LA for the first time a couple of years ago. Like, I, like right around the, like before the pandemic started, a few yeah. months before. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what, I think, Mexico City and LA are much more similar than Uh New York and Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both like Mexico City is very much a driving city. Everyone drives everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. Public transportation is not (laughs) as easily accessible. Uh And there's also just a lot of culture. There's so many museums, there's so many plays, there's so many, you know, like a huge um, nightlife scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's, it's very vibrant and there's always something to do. And I, I mean, I grew up in the city, so I feel like I'm always also kind of drawn to telling stories that happen in big cities. And I'm drawn even when I travel, when I, 
uh, think of where I'd like to live next, I am very much drawn to big cities. Yeah. I feel like we're also like, if you've lived in a city and there's no reason for you to like really move into like a suburbs, if you will, it's hard to like go to that because it's not mm-hmm. what you know too. As a person who I grew up in the suburbs and then I moved to a city and now I'm back in the suburbs and like, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to move back into the city um, just so I can be around uh, more queer people. Yeah, oh my <laughs> God, 100%. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Cause there isn't really like anything here um, like that, that just, it's not, it's not the same experience at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I cannot imagine being like born and raised in a city and then like going to the suburbs. I feel like it just wouldn't make sense. I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in the suburbs, but what I can tell you is I do love the suburbs. Like, yeah. I think that it's just such a different and just more like idyllic, like beautiful experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's things that you can't get in the suburbs, but there's also things that you can't get in cities and just, you know, you got to take the best of the best of the place where you're in. Exactly. The one thing I didn't realize that I missed so much when I moved like back home, I looked up and I was like, oh, I can see stars. Like, this is something that I didn't realize (laughs) I was missing. And then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be missing them again. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. You, yeah. you can, you got bright lights in the city, so yeah. <laughs> you don't need the stars. Yeah. Um, so when you were writing this book, was there any kind of like specific kind of like research that you had to do or um, anything like that for like the process for um, especially like the, the court situation? Of course. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of research that went into this book. And I, I say like, there were two sides to the research. There was a more personal stuff that went into the book. And then there was like, you know, actually sitting down and opening up books and opening up like legal texts and Mm -hmm. just a lot of stuff. So I'd say the personal um, research was, you know, kind of taking a look at myself, at my family, at ourselves as immigrants and how we fit into, um, you know, a different country, a different city uh, than we were born into. And, um, like, I also got a chance to speak to people in my life who have been through immigration hurdles um, in various ways and who offered a little piece of their perspective with me, um, because there's no two stories about immigration that are the same. Yeah. And I also, like I said, I wanted to really research and really portray the process of detention and deportation in a faithful way. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading, you know, so many different articles, so many different accounts of uh, people who had experienced this in different ways. I read legal texts, like legit, like, books that were meant for Mm. immigration lawyers who were studying to, you know, become the person representing um, immigrants in these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I also got a chance to speak to immigration lawyers um, who answered my questions. And um, so, yeah, there was so, so much that went into it. Yeah, because it it definitely felt like, like, um, like a fully fleshed out, like that this feels realistic, Mm -hmm. Um, especially for, especially those, uh, the court, scene I don't want to spoil too much about that but um just like getting to the point where eventually like the court case does come up mm-hmm. um I I I'm very bad at biting my tongue which is funny because I work in retail um <laughs> and I have to do that all day of course. But, <laughs> but like I can imagine especially in that scene like not um speaking to the like the ice defense lawyer Mm um I just behaving in general when it's like this is the moment that I wish I could just like let loose yeah Uh, it takes like such a specific kind of strength to not just like dig into a person that like clearly deserves it Mm -hmm. Um, but especially when it's like okay if I were to do this this would just be (laughs) bad for the situation in general and I think um Mateo had such strength in that that uh, situation. I think it was written so well too. It was very believable too. Um, I didn't feel like it was like a fairy tale telling of it. Like it felt like this is a real thing that really does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that that was that was important to me. I think throughout the story, and I, you know, my writing. I especially right now as I'm working on a new book, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm. This is like a. a 
thriller. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about this yet because I don't know if this book is even going to go out into the world. I don't know if Mm. it's going to sell. I don't know if it's going to be on shelves at all, but I'm writing a thriller and I'm writing about, um, you know, there's, there's a murder in the book and I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to really portray the real ramifications of tragedy like this. And I love, I love just doing this. Like, painting a realistic portrait of what it really is like because I feel like in in tv and movies and books like sometimes we get like you said like the fairy tale version almost or the like cartoonish version which some books set out to do just that and that's great like some some materials are meant to do exactly that but for me I really want my books to feel realistic and my books to feel like something that could really happen it could happen to you or to your friend or in your community and I really strive to tell those like realistic and and just a little bit raw stories mm-hmm. I think also like um I remember uh I want to say maybe in college Ugly Betty was a tv show that was on I believe ABC Family and like that I was loved, I grew up watching Ugly Betty so it's like loved I Ugly shows. Betty but like in that, like that was a like pretty well-known show. And also it was like a lot of firsts. It was a very like large cast of people of color, specifically mm-hmm. Latinx people. Um, and I believe part of the storylines for um, Betty's dad is that like he has to go through with, um, I believe becoming an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process of that, like watching it back again, like does feel a little fairy tale like. Mm-hmm. But like, honestly, we do need those stories as well as totally like, ones. Totally, I think, like just the dichotomy of like something that I like watch so incessantly, um, and like the you know something like this where I've just like it's just something that I compare it to. Um, it's nice seeing like the the mix of it, and also like. I don't know of a lot of other like TV shows where that is like a topical thing. Mm-hmm. So like seeing it in the YA universe, um, especially for, you know, queer kids too, it's such a top, like top of mind thing. Um, and it's, it's interesting that uh, just like having that kind of um, material again, like brought back up to the surface, especially mm-hmm. again during such a <laughs> specific time in the States. Totally. And I think there can never be enough stories that that reflect diverse characters or diverse, you know, situations like there could never be enough stories about immigration, just as there could never be enough stories about queer kids. And I think that the more stories we have, each with their own angle, each with their own unique perspective, the better, because then, you know, I don't I don't pretend that my book is is uh, a full picture of the immigrant experience or a full picture of what it means to get deported. But I do think that if you put this book next to 10 other books, to 15, 20, 50 other books that also talk about the same thing, then hopefully readers and, you know, the community could can get a, a fuller and more realistic picture of what this whole thing is. Yeah, and that's like, that's the, the point, especially of books just in general, is that there are going to be so many different like nuances between the stories that are mm-hmm. some that are more realistic, some that are not as realistic. Um, the amount of research, the different kinds of research that go yeah. into every book too. Um, and that together helps paint a fuller picture. Um, and I, I feel like that's like the thing that is so interesting about this book is that the entire time you're reading it, you're like, okay, like I need to root for this kid. And it's, it's also like sad to see like him being like, okay, like I'm not allowed to have my own dreams. I have to be, I have to be the man of my family. I have to take Mm -hmm. care of my family. It's like, so like heartbreaking to see it. And I don't want to say like what happens or not, because I would like for people to pick up the book and read it and find out for themselves. But it's such a, like, I know it's not necessarily a thriller, but it's such like a thrilling journey to be like, oh my gosh, like, what is, like, yeah. what's going on? Um, but yeah, I I think the only, like, note I took, because I picked it up, was reading, I read to page 50, because um, I didn't know, like, how early or how quickly, how late uh, Mateo's parents would be um, 
like when ice would find them mm-hmm. um and i <laughs> i literally got to pay i knew i was going to cry when ice gets a hold of mom and dad but i didn't realize it would be on page it would be 50 pages in that i'd start crying oh I think the only note other than i think page 56 had a quote about uh if something is meant for you uh it yeah that that was the you know, yeah, yeah 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 um uh, those are the only two notes i had specifically because i was like oh i if i like pulled the wrong thread while talking to you it's just gonna be like spoiler town um well let me say one thing like i feel like there are two things that are really really hard to do in writing and in you know art in general it's Mm -hmm. making someone laugh and making Mm -hmm. someone cry Mm -hmm. i think that making someone laugh is harder (laughs) honestly but it's also pretty hard to make someone cry and so i take it as such a big um almost compliment to like to hear that people cried at page 50 because it I do think that you need to have a certain level of attachment to the story, to the characters to really mm-hmm. feel enough emotion that mm-hmm. like, that you may cry or that you may, you know, need to put the book down or throw it up the wall or whatever it may be that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like I do really love hearing that people mm-hmm. became attached to the story so early on. I think it's really, I think it would be difficult for, I, I, um, I guess I relate so like fully to the idea of like, holding on to too much and like feeling too much but mm-hmm. you, that means you also experience such high highs mm-hmm. um I think just like reading that um for me as a I'm almost 31 uh, um but <laughs> but like reading the, if I had read something like that as a kid I'd be like oh my god my, like brain blast um and there are just certain things that like when someone else says it, it's like I've been looking for the words for this for years <laughs> Yeah. And it's something, it's funny because that is the first line of the book. It's, Mm -hmm. it's Maya's always telling me how I feel too much. And that is something that, well, that remained the first line from the very, very first draft. It was the first line of the book. And it is also something that my mom has told me for many years. It's like, Mm -hmm. Daniel, you feel too much. And so it was, you know, one of those little pieces of myself and of my family that I wanted to insert into the, into the story. And that I felt was very unique to me, like something that is, was very much a Daniel thing. But Mm -hmm. like you said, I think it, it, it's true of so many people. And there are so many people like Mateo out there who experience emotions so um, uniquely and Mm -hmm. so strongly. And I, I, yeah, I, I loved I loved writing this character um, as a reflection of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I think that's something that I think a lot of different you know people can relate to is just like the emotional like drain that you could feel more than other people, but also like the such sweet highs of like feeling different emotions. Um, I think that is with uh, with Mateo. I think it it would be really hard not to become attached to. Uh, the siblings and like their universe um, especially because it is something that is like a uh, it's a realistic thing so it's like okay this is a fiction novel but like it is something that does actually happen it takes place in a place I've been to it's like right there 25 mm-hmm. minutes away from me um, so like I can just imagine like the two of them like running through New York or like Mateo running late to pick up his sister from a play date like we've all seen that happen and I think mm-hmm. um yeah, it's just, it's written in a way that it, it would be hard not to feel attached to these kids. Um, but maybe it's because I'm like, we must protect them at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, is it like, is there anything that you wanted to like share about the book that maybe like, uh, since you're here with me that I haven't maybe asked yet? Um, maybe I'd like to talk a little bit about the queerness in the book. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I made a very conscious decision, I think, to write Matteo as queer. Mm-hmm. And it is not the main driver of the story. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Matteo is gay and he came out to his family a while ago and he has encountered both um, acceptance and the fear of rejection uh, with the rest of his community. But ultimately, I think that he he feels safe being gay in his environment. And 
I wanted, I wanted to show a queer character that is able to move through the world and is able to pursue dreams and have problems and deal with issues that, that didn't necessarily center his queerness. And mm -hmm. I do think like books that center queerness are so important and they always mm -hmm. have been, always will be. But I also do want to see more books that, you know, more thrillers, more queer kids in a haunted mm. house, more, yeah. you know, just stories that, that treat queerness as something more, you know, I don't want to say casual, but, but that form a part of the character's um, identity and mm. it faithfully informs the way they move through the world. But at the same time, they're able to be complete and fully queer and fully themselves and, and not, and, and be able to focus on different ambitions and, yeah. and dreams and issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because being queer is not like the, the end all be, all be all of a queer person's existence. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they're in a murder mystery and that's their universe. And, you know, they might not have a love interest, but there might be someone there. Um, and going into this book, like reading through it, it I, that wasn't something like I expected of it because I wasn't like when I went into this book, I wasn't like, well, this is a rom-com. So like, mm -hmm. it's not like I was going into it thinking it was going to be 50 first dates. Um, but <laughs> that's like the cool thing too. It's certain like um, I've read like murder mysteries in the past where like it is part of the book, but it's like obviously not like the main highlight of the book. And it's always so nice to see that too, because it, it also shows like, uh, like queer people like, hey, this, is, this isn't like the only facet of your personality that we understand. Um, it's very much like a, hey, yes, but also the thing that is more important here is obviously like the story of family for this young. This totally. Young, yeah. Totally. Um, and I think that, you know, we need, like I said, just we need queer books that do talk about queer issues, that do talk about coming out and that do challenge homophobia and that do show uniquely queer experiences and perspectives a hundred percent and like you said like we also need those books that just, just you know show us the characters yeah. being who they are and just dealing with other stuff yeah it's, it's great when it does happen in it it's like oh this is nice for them it gives them something else to think about but obviously it's like if it had never happened I wouldn't be like wow it was missing like where yeah was exactly it? and for some yeah totally and like mm -hmm. It's also the, the case like where, you know, like you said, sometimes we have a love interest, sometimes we don't. Sometimes mm -hmm. we want to focus on romance and, mm -hmm. and finding a partner. And sometimes there are more important things um, mm -hmm. that take priority. And for Matteo, that was also part of the, that is also part of the balancing act that Matteo mm -hmm. must deal with because he yeah. does want a boyfriend. He does mm -hmm. want to have his, you know, Sunni love story, but at the same time, he feels like he can't have that right now because mm -hmm. he does have a lot to deal with outside of, outside of his friendships, outside of the dating scene, outside mm -hmm. of everything. He has yeah. a lot to deal with. I also, um, something that I really love too, is that his family has like a, um, like a nightly ritual of watching a telenovela. Yeah. Um, that is, I think something that I love when I'm watching a TV show or like reading a book that is like focused on Latinx people is that, that when that comes up, because it's just something that I, I think is just so wholesome mm -hmm. and it's such like, a spicy thing too. It's like, oh, my mom and I are watching this TV show where like this person got murdered three days ago, but also they weren't murdered. And yeah. now they're having sex with their like twins fiance. It's yeah. like spicy, but it's like so wholesome at the same time. And I kind of wish I could watch um, the show that they were watching. Uh, is it The Passions? Yeah, like Pasiones de tu corazón. That is a fictional show. It's not. It's not. I want to watch it. Where can I watch it? Where? What streaming service that is? Is it on? It doesn't exist. It's it's completely fictional. But I do think it mimics many real life telenovelas that mm -hmm. use all of these crazy tropes of yeah. like you discover your long lost twin brother, and also he tried to kill you, and you didn't know. And it's like it's the it's so so funny um I had fun writing those pieces about the telenovela and also like it is something that I feel is is true to my family like we would watch tv together and it was like meant to be family time and it was meant to be something that we shared and 
So for Mateo's family to also do that and then to also later on not be able to do that was was something that I loved showing on the page. Yeah, it's a it was probably one of my favorite things just like seeing something that's so grounded and being like, you know, we're having a really bad day and we're going to watch this in complete silence, but we're still doing it. We're still committing to this thing. And I feel like even with my family too, it's like we could all be like completely silent. We could have had a bad day, but like my dad has turned on the Mandalorian and we are watching the Mandalorian. (laughs) And it's like, this just is like a time where it's like to be silent and just like watch this thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like stories, you know, film, TV, like Mm -hmm. stories unite us. And there's, there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in being able to share these things, even books, you know, reading is something you do on your own, but at Mm -hmm. the same time you can share it with someone else because you can talk about the book. You can recommend someone something that you read and loved recently. And I, I think there's so much beauty in that. Just the, the connection that we can form with other people through stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. There, there's just so many different facets in the book that I like appreciated and really adored. Um, And something that like Sophie and I love to ask too like if this was a book that was turned into a movie like who would you want to see play who oh okay well I would say I love asking people that (laughs) well I would say Amy Adams would have to I feel like she was the inspiration for Amy like I Uh could totally see her that is kind of the reason why Amy is named Amy yeah (laughs) um Amy Adams would have to be Amy um (laughs) For Mateo, I don't know. You know, uh, the actor who is on Love, Victor, his name is, I believe, Michael Cimino. Or oh, C- yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he would be such a wonderful Mateo. But at the same time, I think that it would be so appropriate to have a new, like, up-and-coming actor step mm-hmm. into the, the role of Mateo because yeah. Mateo is you know, his biggest dream is to be an actor. So what could be more fitting than to give a new Latino actor the opportunity to play this role? Yeah. And as for the rest of the cast, I mean, there are so many wonderful actresses who could play Ma, like Eva Longoria could play Ma. Um, I love her so much. I love her. I adore her. I was such a huge Desperate Housewives fan. And it's like embarrassing to admit, but also at the same time, like, Gabby Solis. Also, I noticed that you had a character with the last name Solis and I was like, (laughs) oh my god, hello. And my brain was like, don't, that's not where that came from. Don't say that. (laughs) Maybe it did. Like, maybe unconsciously because I also loved Desperate Housewives. I was a big fan. Um, And oh my gosh, like Eva Longoria, you know, if she ever wanted to play Ma, Mm -hmm. like please, (laughs) I would love that. I would kill for that. Yeah, the uh, uh, the mother who's in uh, Love, Victor, she was the the mom, in, well, the uh, the sister in Ugly Betty. She was mm-hmm. in a TV show called Devious Maids as well, um, which Eva Longoria helped, I think, produce with okay. Mark Cherry. Um, I have just loved, I, I forget her last name, but I know her first name is Anna, I think. She is just such a great actress. Um, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. I know. And she hasn't aged. Like, what the hell? I know. She's one of those lucky people that, you know, 10 years ago, she looked the exact same as yeah. she does now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I definitely think that, like, a, like a, an unknown actor, like, coming in as uh, Mateo would be such a cool thing, especially for, like, that would fit the character of mm. like this this young kid who like has these big dreams that wants to do something and you know there aren't all of these opportunities for him mm. especially you know there are people who think like oh you're too this to be this role it's like mm-hmm. okay yeah totally <laughs> yeah um yeah i i love that idea i never get to ask that question because i feel like it's it's i never think to ask it um and it was something that i was thinking of the whole time i was reading this book i was like oh my gosh who would be mateo <laughs> yeah well we don't know maybe one day there'll be a movie or a tv show but you know that's one of those big near impossible author dreams maybe yeah. for for the future yeah um what so this book came out i want to say like may couple, yeah i was gonna say a couple of months ago. ago yeah um it was just like such a joy to read and i think it was also like lightly educational too um, especially for just like 
the different things that the family does go through. Um, but yeah, I I had such an like an enjoyable time reading this. Also, I'm always so amazed when this is your debut novel, yeah? Yes, it is. I'm all. always so like brain blasted by like someone's first book and I'm just like, wait, how is this your first book? Well, it isn't. I did write like many, many books before. And, you know, as writers, you experience so much rejection, so much failure, and then you just gotta dust yourself off mm -hmm. and put that manuscript in a drawer and write a new one. So mm -hmm. it's funny that way, because even though this may be my debut, mm -hmm. you know, published novel, I have a whole backlist of many, many books that mm -hmm. will probably just never see the light of day. And I'm okay with that because yeah. they were probably just not good enough to, to make it out of the drawer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's always so interesting hearing that from authors because I'm like, I feel like looking at your book I feel like I know that like you have written like it just feels right I'm like this person is too talented this is impossible <laughs> um, but also it's, it is very possible that that can happen I'm just always so amazed like reading someone's first book I'm like oh my gosh like this is amazing um but yeah especially with the like content like this mm -hmm. it's so different too um and I I feel like this would be like a super like enjoyable read for anyone but yeah I I don't have I don't think um anything else that's like topical because I would probably just start gushing about what happened towards the <laughs> end of the totally book and I can't can't do that everyone has to go out and get the book if they want to talk to me after they read it that's fine <laughs> um but yeah is there anything else that you wanted to add about um indivisible or like the characters or like who was who you can you can tell me i won't tell the book characters who was your favorite to write i won't tell them my favorite character to write i think obviously was mateo like i you know he's very much a reflection of me and mm -hmm. he i was able to explore a lot of sides of myself through mm -hmm. this character that I didn't even know existed. You know, I, one of the themes that is so prevalent in the story is asking for help when you need it. And that was yeah. something that I feel I inserted into the book so unconsciously, like I did not realize I was turning this, you know, his internal character arc into a story of learning how to open up and learning how to use your voice to ask for help if and when you need it and then later on when I was editing the book with my agent and with my editor I realized that this was such a prevalent theme and that it had come from a very deep and unconscious place because sometimes you know ask many other people but I think this is very true of me I don't always know how to use my voice when I need help and yeah. so just seeing these things reflecting back at me from the page was just almost life-changing yeah and so Mateo was definitely my favorite character to write but I had fun honestly with every single character but some of my favorite scenes are you know the cockroach incident um the scene at the end on Coney Island Beach mm -hmm. um I had so much fun exploring Kimmy's character also and her own you know, dreams and ambitions and also struggles. Um, I, Kimmy is also just a close favorite and she's the kind of friend that I think everyone needs and everyone should have. And yeah. I, I had a lot of fun writing her. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I think the cast is just so incredible. And I like that the cast, like each person, you know, Adam has his own dreams. Mateo has his own dreams. Kimmy has her own dreams. Mm -hmm. um, Daryl has his own dreams. I just think that, it's like a nice mix and it's never like the thing where it's like we're dating now so we can't be friends with each other it's like it's it's never like a Kimmy brings in someone and then she's like well we're no longer friends with everyone else which I feel like is so easy to write into a book um because it <laughs> happens quite often yeah um, <laughs> but yeah I I definitely agree with those parts I feel like those were like really fun parts uh to read in general uh the cockroach scene <laughs> <laughs> Um, that happened once to me in Philadelphia and I'm not kidding my roommate was away for the summer mm -hmm. so I think I've been like in bed watching season four on my laptop of Desperate Housewives just like vegging out and just like I looked up and saw just like one going up like the wall oh my gosh like, I have to burn the whole building down like that's 100%. what this means yeah. I think it's it's just one of those situations that is also so relatable because it's yeah. happened to everyone you know whether it be 
a spider, a cockroach, whatever yeah. it may be. Like we mm-hmm. all have our own way of freaking out when it comes to bugs. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of fun writing that moment. Yeah. I think there are just so many like grounding and realistic things that happened in this book that it's like, yeah, these are people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have anything else to ask you. Um, well, I think we covered everything that mattered most yeah um I again I usually take more notes but I was like I need to I I wanted to finish the book and I was like of course I don't have time to stop to write anything down of course <laughs> um it was just again I'm sorry I'm like gushing over it it was just so enjoyable to read um and it I I'm really happy because I feel like it is like it's such a great addition to the like the list of books that I've had it's not like at the average YA novel it's, it's really different. It's really cool. It's very topical. Um, and I think it is very realistic too. Well, thank you so much. Okay. And I, I did want it to feel, you know, I did want it to be a very, you know, characteristically YA, but also kind of break the mold a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, I, it, I did feel like I took some risks um, in terms of the topics in the book, in terms of the the angle of the book um but it worked out and I'm so happy that you know people are reading it and I'm so excited and so thankful for opportunities like this one to chat with you and to come on your podcast yeah definitely thank you so much for coming on um that's all for today we've been talking about Daniel Ailman's book Indivisible um you should go out and get it, it came out in May it's a really great topic I think it's a a really cool addition to people's YA libraries <laughs> But um, yes, my name is Brendan Patrick. We've had Daniel here, um, if you want to say goodbye. Thank you so, so much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Um, and that's all today. And you've been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Yeah.